Hi, this is Art Maines from ScammerCast.com, where we educate, inform, and protect our elders and those who care for them on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. The sound of the voice on the other end of a 911 call is almost always delivered frantically. The needs of the caller on the other end of a 911 call are ones that need to be met immediately. The services sent to a caller during a 911 call are always delivered efficiently. The stories, perspectives, and details created by these calls over more than 20 years are life lessons and legacies for everyone involved, including me. The records are archived for all time, like this podcast, digitally. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa. This is Digitally Dispatched. Finally, we have a new show. This one's about dispatching, and it made its debut on television recently. The title is Emergency Call. It is carried by the ABC network and can also be seen on Hulu as well. In this first season, there will be 10 episodes. Unlike 911, starring Angela Bassett, which is a drama that gives a Hollywood look at first responders, where they do include dispatchers, Emergency Call actually takes you into five different dispatch centers and allows you, the audience, to hear what a 911 call sounds like from the point of view of the dispatchers. That leads us to this. The first in an ongoing series of episode reviews of the show, Emergency Call, on ABC and Hulu Streaming. I'm Lisa Moore, real-life police dispatcher and your host. And I'm Mike Wilkerson, the pop culture feature film streaming media review guy. Glad to have you, Mike. Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Lisa, I think when we started the discussion of you reviewing this program within your podcast, Digitally Dispatched, I was excited because one of the things that we've always gotten feedback on is, well, where are the 911 calls inside of Lisa's digitally dispatched dispatcher police dispatcher program <laughs> and the answer is there aren't any the the answer is that there is an educational series of items that are showcased by lisa and after you're done you will have had at least four or five light bulb moments that you knew either nothing about or now know even more about after listening to your podcast so being able to grab this program and literally feature the stories of real calls featured someplace, very exciting for sure, especially that it's on mainstream television. Oh, I was so excited. A friend of mine brought it up, asked if I had seen anything about it, and I had just seen the trailer for it, and it caught my interest because it really seemed like they were going to go into real dispatch centers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe listen to actual 911 calls, and see everything from a dispatcher's point of view, which we don't see Anywhere in any of the police dramas. No, not really. Mm -mm. I take it, Mike, you were able to catch this first episode? I was. Why don't we talk about how we watched it here? Did you watch this originally on the network broadcast of the show, or did you watch it on a streaming option? I actually watched it on ABC. I have the okay. app on my phone, and mm. I was able to okay. watch it that way. And then well, now I have a question for you because I'm totally unfamiliar with the ABC app. Sure. ABC app features ABC sponsored commercial sets in the commercial spaces. They do. Okay. They do. Which is why the second time I watched it in preparing for the show tonight, mm-hmm. I watched it on Hulu because I pay a little extra not to have those commercials. Okay. And when I watched it, I watched it via the Hulu experience because mm-hmm. I, I don't have general standard cable television anymore. So oh, okay. I don't have the option to go and look at a television and watch ABC tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't have that option anymore. And so watching it through the streaming stuff, I got Hulu based whatever the hell 
they're picking for me for commercials because I don't pay that little bit of extra. But uh, again, the perspective of how we're watching it, uh-huh. I think, is a really important piece that the audience is going to garner something from as well because your viewing experience is going to change as you do or don't have commercials inside of this program without question. I agree. Completely agree. And they use those commercials to their benefit or could it be to their detriment? Probably a little bit of both. No, we're going to definitely find out as we review it. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Yeah. I actually saw a trailer for the show and thought to myself, it seems interesting, but will it be real or will it be Hollywoodized? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My first thought at seeing Luke Wilson as the host, I thought, yep, this is Hollywood. I was pleasantly surprised that he actually sounded like a host. He seemed to at least be interested and had researched the job just a little bit. Yeah, well, Luke is my kryptonite. (laughs) And so I'm appreciative of your perspective. And I can't wait to hear what your perspective as a real-life dispatcher is in regard Mm -hmm. to the show. But Luke Wilson, wow. Uh, I, I, I can't quite describe why I'm not a fan. But when I think legitimacy and steadfast fortitude in regard to integrity mm-hmm. about 911 calls, Luke Wilson is not the guy that pops up on my radar. He wouldn't have been my pick either, but thank goodness it wasn't Owen. Okay, so the show will be eventually showing footage from five different agencies. Mm-hmm. We have Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. New Orleans, Mississippi, right. Waukesha. Right. Ten minutes from my high school for those that are curious. And that's up in Wisconsin. It is. Then there's Wasala, Alaska. Wasala. <laughs> and then we cannot forget Ogden, Utah. In this first episode, we're only visiting three of those agencies. We got Texas, Mississippi, and Alaska. I'm guessing throughout they're going to hit the other two and probably just do a, a combination of the five throughout the rest of the season. We'll good, see. Good guess. As we get going, remember that you can listen to all of my podcast episodes and more views of this show over at digitallydispatch.com. Now it's time to get to the review of Emergency Call Season 1, Episode 1. This episode features three of the cities and approximately eight different calls. Giant warning. (laughs) We are going to be spoiling everything inside of this program during each of these episode reviews yes so pretty please no hate mail about how you were so looking forward to this episode of emergency call however Uh, lisa and mike spoiled it all so (laughs) doom on you we're not going to be taking any of this email so sorry i'm going to hold nothing back we're going to tell you how it is what we thought and what happened the bottom line is watch it first then use this show as the companion for your entertainment value of emergency call on abc and hulu streaming I always want to be your companion. You are being digitally dispatched. Call number one. The episode opens with a whole lot of phones ringing and dispatch voices overlapping each other. And it all sounds Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. And then you have Luke Wilson. And he says, it's a tough one, man. What happens when we call 911? Who are the faceless strangers that reach out? During our darkest moments and navigate the unknown to keep calm in the chaos. Not that he's not right. He's right. That's exactly what we do. But it was just funny hearing it from Luke. It, 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 what this screams is that, like, where was William Shatner for this particular <laughs> show? And I guess he was just busy? Something? Probably. Budget yeah. didn't work? I don't know. <laughs> I, there was somebody else that was stridently in front 
oh. of the the listing of people that were going to be on this show, and it was not Luke Wilson. Wouldn't it have been great to have Captain Jean Luc Picard? Oh my! Yeah. Although if I we're going to go I, captains, I'm going to take Jean Luc. Yeah, but I, I think people would have had had trouble with his accent and him being the front Ooh. end of this. Then let's do Janeway. She's a chick like me. Oh <laughs> okay, let's. You get really back to... want me to hate this show, don't you? <laughs> Well, I'm sorry about all the Star Trek references. Star oh, nothing Wars, wrong man. with the Star Trek references. I just I hate me some Voyager. Uh, story okay. for another day. Another day. Maybe another podcast. Definitely. We'll see. Okay. So Luke does share with us that there's 240 million 911 calls that come in every year. That's a lot of calls. That's a lot of calls. I wasn't surprised, though. No, I'm not either. And I think that's something that I appreciate about this show is that you think that 42 minutes of television could be reasonably inane mm-hmm. and ongoing drudgery. And this is not. No. There is no drudgery subject matter wise at all inside of this show, which is a really, really big achievement. I think so too. And I think even though we're going to go through eight different calls, they're kept within their own little nutshell, if you will. Yeah. They, they made don't... really great content boxes for yep. each of these. I exactly. totally agree with that. But that's exactly what we do as dispatchers. We get the call. We handle the call. The call ends. We're done. We're on to the next nut. And I really dig that, too, because they (laughs) did show that. I know that you've mentioned that inside of several of your podcasts previously, Mm -hmm. and so I was actually looking for that inside of this, and they absolutely scored well at that. I thought so, too. We start off in Austin, Texas, and the first dispatcher we're introduced to is Deb. And the first call she takes is in reference to a stolen vehicle that has an eight-year-old inside. Mm Mm-hmm. Her call starts out with a hysterical caller screaming that her car had been stolen Mm -hmm. while she was inside her mother's house for just a moment and her child was inside. Right. Now, the call itself is not an unusual call. I mean, it's pretty typical for a 911 call. Mm -hmm. Listening outside with a dispatcher's ear, I heard all the information that Deb missed. But that's because Deb is in the moment, Mm -hmm. in the heat, and the woman told her pretty much everything that was going on, but Deb didn't quite catch it because of the hysteria, and she's trying to to field her way through that. Right. I think what they really were able to exhibit here was a sense of urgency. There's no question there mm-hmm. with the screaming... Mother. An, an incredibly just distraught mother. I mean, who wouldn't be? Oh, yeah. It's one of the things that's missing inside of the phone calls of the mothers that drown their children in a car, oh. and then they call the cops. Right. Where they're upset, but they're not this lady. No. And they're not the hysterical. Only thing that's, I'm saying the only thing, I'm not discounting what's happened, but the only thing that's happened here is that somebody has gotten into her car and stolen the car, probably and clearly not knowing that there is a child in the back of the car. Absolutely. And that happens, this happened a few times here in St. Louis, you Mm -hmm. know, where the person taking the car had no idea there was one or two children in the back seat because that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for a car that's left running outside of a convenience store. This one was in front of a home. Yeah, They jump in, they take off, and they're gone. It was such a quick call that I had forgotten that they wrapped it up in a tiny little bow for us. Right. And we talked about that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when we were talking about the episode. Well, the the, <laughs> the cops find the car mm-hmm. and the little girl sitting in the back seat. So at some point, thankfully, and I, I, don't, I don't mean this to sound snarky at all. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the criminal that stole the car looked in the back seat, realized that there's a child in the back seat. And that rather than only being stealing a car as a charge, mm-hmm. and now it turns into insert really detrimental charge. Right that you go away for a long time that involves a child. Mm-hmm. And Kidnapping, so, endangering. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they stop the car, they open the door, and they get out. Right. Anybody who watched the episode 
you hear that just at the end of the call, right before they break to the next it's segment. It's mm-hmm. absolutely accidental. And yep. if you if you weren't paying attention, or perhaps I don't know, because I've done it before, taking copious notes about what you're watching, <laughs> then you might have missed it. Yep, and I kind of missed that one. Just that one though. <laughs> In this call, it happened so quickly, and my thoughts as a dispatcher. That's how our job is. I mean, we get the call. The hysterical caller is there. We get all the information we can. We give it out to the officers. And if we're lucky, they're on scene right away. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how this call went down. It went pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And the vehicle was found. Child was still inside. Everybody was fine. Status was clear. And that's awesome. And the reason I like that is because more often than not, that's how our calls go. They don't drag on for minutes and minutes or hours. It's just that quick and then we're on to the next call mm-hmm. what were your thoughts when you listened to it uh, again as the pop culture review guy uh, one of the things i like is i like i like drama mm-hmm. i like storytelling and what i don't care for is i don't like being jerked around okay and i think in a show like this when the first thing you pull out of the box is a screaming mom screaming about her kid there is a teeter-totter of being jerked around mm-hmm. and getting told the story as this series is beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this one a pass. But, I mean, clearly, of the different things that could be happening inside of a 911-based television show, right? for the first episode, for the first segment, this is kind of jerking people around. There's no way as any kind of parent or probably human being to know if a child was stolen, everybody is going to have an emotional response to that. Absolutely. One of the things that Cops, which, by the way, was just renewed on the Paramount Network. I don't know if you saw that or not. No. What season is it? Like 950? It doesn't make any difference. The whole thing, <laughs> though, is that in the whole defund the police movement that oh, was yeah. going on earlier in the year, mm-hmm. they had canceled it. They had oh. shut the doors and no more. Well, it's been brought back, thankfully. Really? And in, inside of cops, while cops has its ups and downs, just like any other not police procedural, but police real life drama right. asterisk. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but what that show does have is you're, you are in the moment and mm-hmm. what it isn't propelled by is music. And again, as the pop culture review guy, it's my duty to tell you that I do not appreciate being jerked around by music mm-hmm. unless it's appropriately done. Right. Here it was appropriately done if you're not expecting it. Right. As the pop culture review guy, I'm expecting it, so I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't bother me at all because right. I wasn't expecting right. it. Right, right. And I think probably what they were thinking in giving you that call first was that's our hook. We're it's, gonna, oh, it's definitely We're going to get all those people in here because yeah. they're going to have to know what happens. Yeah. And then what? what's the next call going to be? Yeah. Call number two. Austin, Texas. Peacock blocking traffic. Deb takes a call in reference to a peacock. And when she answered the, the phone... Being peacocked, blocking traffic. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And it's true. And we do get 911 calls like that all the time where there's a goose in the middle of the road. Yeah. And this one happens to be a peacock. Was, there was some of that this weekend here in our there. town. Yes. Not it surprised. Was, it was an entire series. It was right over uh, off the outer road near uh, one of our most famous go get drinks places. Okay. And out there was an, at least an entire family of, of what geese. looked like geese. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they come All here. All ages. Just sitting there at the edge. They were drinking out of um, uh, holes, uh, potholes. <laughs> Maybe. So. Our city needs to fix some potholes. <laughs> <laughs> so in Austin, we have a peacock. We're, we're not that fancy up here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a peacock down there, and he's blocking the traffic. And our caller is 
finds the humor in it, but is concerned for the peacock. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, there's cars that are swerving around this peacock. Yeah. So it could turn into a 911 call if someone swerves the wrong way or goes too fast, hits the peacock, God forbid, mm-hmm. or hits her because she's on the side of the road honking at all these people who are approaching the peacock. Yeah. So I liked that they had this call because it gave us a little bit of humor, a little bit of lightheartedness especially after a call like that first one. Yeah, there, there's no question that the teeter-totter moment here between the first call and this call presented, it, it's wonderful. It mm-hmm. actually it gives you a, a completely different flavor of what's going on. The question I would ask, and I hope everybody is asking, is if you see a peacock in the middle of the street and cars are swerving around it, maybe causing an accident, is that a 911 call? And I have to tell you, especially after having seen a video from my friend, Officer Tommy in South Chicago, (laughs) who has a program called Free Field Training on YouTube. He also has a podcast at freefieldtrainingpodcast.com. Inside of his most recent episode, which is Do Not Call 911, in one of the first samples is animal issues. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they don't care. It's not because we can't wait to see... Uh, cars swerve into each other because they're missing a peacock. It's because animal control will actually be the best phone call here. That is true. There is a separate phone number traditionally mm-hmm. inside of cities for that department. There is. Traditionally, they are not serviced all days of the week. Mm-hmm. So FYI on that. But is a peacock in the center of the street a 911 call? And because of what Tommy has told me, I would say definitively it is not. It's time to find the non-emergency number for the local police department. <laughs> And not tie up usually what is either one, two, or maybe three lines made available for 911 in any major metropolitan city. Because you can't do that. You can't tie up what was, let's say let's say it was eight or nine minutes with this call total. Right, right. You really need to not be eating into that 911 dispatch operator time with right. a peacock call. And here's the thing. I bet you anything that that was only one. Of several 911 calls they got in reference to the Peacock. Oh, I'm so Happens happy that you here said all that. The time. Because, right, because a lot of people forget about that. Again, having listened to listened to and Tommy. producing not only Tommy's stuffs, but also your stuff oh, over yeah. the course of almost a year now. Mm-hmm. The, the concept is that when something goes wrong, everybody can now dial in from the planet <laughs> to tell everybody about it. Mm-hmm. And so remember, those two or three lines... They instantly don't matter anymore Mm-mm. when they're filled with peacock calls. Right. Again, as much as you want there to not be a car accident, you don't want cars swerving and horns honking and people angry and maybe even road rage from something like this. Mm-hmm. The bottom line, this is my opinion, not a 911 call and should not have a 911 dispatcher involved at all. I agree with you. What I would suggest is if something like that happens, whether it's a duck, a goose, or a peacock in the roadway, you can call the non-emergency line at the police department. Mm-hmm. If you don't know animal control, some agencies actually have their own animal control, so that's okay. Yeah. Call the non-emergency line because not only are you alerting the police department about it, so we know and we can let our officers, hey, heads up, you're going to have a pile up if we're not careful. But then we can also give you the number to animal control and they can be contacted if it's a weird day, Saturday, Sunday or after hours. We do have after hours numbers for animal control as well. So we'll get the right people out there. Just don't tie up our 911 lines. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And again, as the pop culture review guy, this is simply flipping the script from the immediacy and, oh my God, you got to be kidding me, mm-hmm. of the first one to have a little chide funny har-har. And mission succeeds. I agree. Call number three. 
Austin, Texas. Ding dong danger? <laughs> well, in this one, we receive a call from a woman who is scared. And you can audibly hear in yeah. her voice that she is scared. Yeah. You can almost feel her heartbeat. Yeah. And she says, Everything that you'd ever seen inside the screen movies yes, is denoted here. I agree. And she is home alone. At least that's what I gathered. It felt like she was home alone. There's no way she wasn't home alone, <laughs> except with maybe like a little tiny dog. Right. And she a scared one. Although we didn't hear him barking, so that's good. Right. But she knows that there's somebody outside of her home, and she's scared because she doesn't know if this is going to be an intruder, somebody who wants to break in. Mm-hmm. They've knocked on her door or rang her doorbell more than once now. And Gone up to the windows to look in yes. and around and at various different windows. Right. She said initially it was Super in the front. Goony. And she's yeah. scared. And the longer it goes on, the more scared she becomes. Mm-hmm. And then the dispatcher is doing a great job asking her all the questions. Where are you at? Um, getting help on the way to her and tells her, I've got help on the way. Which is good. That's a really important thing is... is we need to reassure our callers that help is coming mm-hmm. as many times as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because when you have those long pauses and we hear a few or we don't hear a few in some of these calls, when you've got a big gap in time, your caller's going, oh, my God, did she just drop me? Am I not here? Does she not care what's going on? We need to, to fill up those blank spaces mm-hmm. with I, how you doing? Where are you at? What do you mm-hmm. see? What do you hear? Yeah. And that way we can stay on top of of what's going on on scene. And this dispatcher stayed on the phone with the caller the entire time, mm-hmm. which was great. Yeah. And things start to kind of calm down a little bit. And all of a sudden she gets all scared again. And she's like, he is looking in my back window, in my kitchen window. I don't know what to do. I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. And I'm there with her. I don't know what to do either. <laughs> well, I think everybody is. Right. The, the show definitely paints it like that where you're caught up in the moment. Right. And I thought that was great. And then we find out when... There's a heavy silence. Did you catch that? Yeah. Right yeah. before we find out. Mm-hmm. Very heavy silence. I'm like, what the heck just happened? And our dispatcher said, what's going on? And she goes, I think it's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and then she calls out, Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> is that yeah. you? <laughs> I think what I, what I really took from this, from this piece is one of the things I preach to people about. I know they get sick of it when I talk about it. <laughs> But it's about being totally aware of your personal surroundings. Yes. And, and, and being just aware, situationally aware. There you there, go. You... There, there is nothing that is equally as satisfying as having a good awareness of the actual area around you. Mm-hmm. And so when something is off, it doesn't, it's not so much that it surprises you, but it's not the same anymore. Mm-mm. And you can move on to something else as opposed to, as opposed to it being startling. And that's exactly what we have here. Mm-hmm. What, what I also think to myself is, and again, I guess thankfully, I don't have a lot of family, <laughs> so I don't have a lot of people coming over to visit me. But right. I know that any existing family that I have, there is no way that just on some odd night with no no mm-hmm. announcement, no text message, no email, right. no grand fanfare of, you know, would you mind picking me up at the airport or something? Or something, right. Nobody is just stopping over my mom who's now gone would have been the last person that had a car that was near us that would have just come over right and what my mom always knew was not to just come over (laughs) she would always call Mm -hmm. and say hey i was thinking about coming over at three o'clock on saturday see you then 
Yep. Or whatever the plan was. There was always a plan. Right. And then there was a point of contact. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you in families that don't currently have something like that, this phone call showcases exactly why you should exactly have something like that. And it was funny you brought that up because in my notes I put, why didn't the sister call and say, hey, I'm coming over? Yeah, that's not I just, that, that's, that's crazy. Nutty. Especially in today's atmosphere. Right. Well, then uh, again, Especially with ju- somebody that's home alone that's a woman. And again, that's not to demean or no, not belittle women. It's, it's to... Anybody that is right. home alone, not with somebody, you shouldn't just appear. Right. Well, and I'm we're, thinking we're not in that kind of we're not in that kind of environment anymore. No, we're and just I, not. And I'm wondering if it could be a generational thing because she didn't sound like a spring chicken anymore, but it's probably up closer to my age, maybe a little bit older. Mm-hmm. But if her sister is in that same age Bracket. range. Mm-hmm. They're used to going. That's back in the day when they used to leave the doors open. Yeah. You know, and you just walk on in. It also sounds to me like they'd be sharing clothing and knowing what each would be wearing. So (laughs) I don't know. There was a piece of being jerked around there that I thought maybe was being implied. Right. But I don't think so. No. Call number four. Wasala, Alaska. Have you ever been to Alaska? I have not yet. I haven't either. Been to Alaska, but, but I I've want seen to a go. lot of television that's been filmed there because yeah. it is, you know, it's it's a great white tundra. Mm-hmm. The forests and area in it are yeah. reasonably unforgiving, even if they're not Beautiful. completely covered with snow. Mm-hmm. the The vistas are are grand. They are always grand vistas. Absolutely. Whenever I see somebody that's gone on a cruise to Alaska, that's what I want to do. There's nothing I don't see where I go. You got to be kidding me! How gorgeous is this place? Mm-hmm. I have a, a friend of mine that went not too long ago and absolutely loved it. And I can't wait. Someday I will go. Yeah. Sometime in the very near future. Because mm-hmm. not only do I want to see the whales on the ocean side, but I want to see those vistas yeah. on the land side. It's got to be gorgeous. Up we'll there. wait till we get past some of this Corona awesome. Well, and yeah. And we'll get that's you on true. your ass on Yeah, a, I'm not going to get on a ship, ship until right. it's over. Yeah. <laughs> true story. Yeah. And I have a, uh, my ex brother in law who went to medical school here in Missouri, went mm-hmm. to Washington. Right. Did a great job there. He, he met his wife and in college and Mm. they were given an opportunity in Alaska to help pay back his school loans because Alaska is such a long way to go and it's hard to get people up there. And And I think there's a lot of programs that are like that inside of uh, outlier areas like that. I think Hawaii also does that as well. Who wouldn't go to Hawaii to work, right? Exactly. And Mm -hmm. I want to say that he graduated somewhere in the early 90s and he's still there. He loves it up there. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And they both work for the hospital. Yeah. I'm always excited to see the word Alaska in just about anything because Mm -hmm. again, it instantly conjures that place that I think a vast majority of people haven't And it reminds me of Northern Exposure. I love that show. Mm. (laughs) In this first call up in Alaska, we're talking about a stalking bear. Big deal. Uh, Bears are a big deal up there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in this particular call, a 19-year-old female calls in. And I'm wanting to say the way she worded the things she was saying, she was using the words like them and they. I'm guessing she had another hiker with her because she expressed that they were hiking. I'll vote that it's a couple of teenage slash early 20s friends right i agree with maybe a dude with a man bun (laughs) so quite possibly three of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) or one of those hipster hats that they like to wear she calls in and she says kind of in a whispered voice there's a bear stalking us or stalking me and of course i'm taken out because i'm in the middle of missouri we don't get stalking bears here although and i'll say on the later 
we did have bear calls. But anyway, up in Alaska, she's being stalked by a bear. Mm -hmm. We find out during the call that the bear is between her and her vehicle. She can't even get to safety. So what do you do? And our dispatcher, you know, she said, well, we used our bear spray the first time it came and stalked us. Mm -hmm. And And then the second time. Yeah. And she's like, do you have any more bear spray? No, I think I'm out. No weapons, mm-hmm. no more bear sprays, mm-hmm. no flares to send up for, for the help party, well, or the rescue the, party. When they mentioned flares in there, I don't think it was sending up for rescue party. I think that was to defend themselves. Oh, you think fire. so? Oh, yeah. 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 I bears didn't even think about that. aren't big fans. No? Not a big fan of no. <laughs> uh, Well, I wouldn't be either, so well, I don't I blame mean, the like, bear. Of the things that I would defend myself with if I only had a flare, I'd use a flare for defense <laughs> right. rather than waiting for the rescue folks to come and find me. I sure. Well, and here's the good thing, too. I'm glad you brought up the rescue folks because we hear him, the rescue people in the background, saying, are they past the first or second bench? But our caller yeah. was very aware of her Super. surroundings. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was good. Yeah. Rather than let's just, let's grab Kyle and go drive for hours <laughs> in the middle of the Alaskan tundra. Sure. Maybe we'll okay, find a yeah, bear. sounds great. Let's take Down a selfie with all. the bear. Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, she's like, no, we're, we've gone past that second bench. Yeah, that was and cool. we're up towards the peak now. Yeah, that so. Was cool. That was awesome because now they have a direction of travel that they're going in, mm-hmm. which the bear is probably following. Yeah. That the rangers obviously knew something of what the hell was going on to the state I, police, I guess, maybe. I don't remember if it was rangers sure. or the rescue party, let's call it. Yeah, them. the rescue party. Yeah. Th- th- and that was cool. That right. was definitely cool. And then right in the middle, the dispatcher says, if it's brown, lay down. Mm-hmm. If it's black, fight back. And right. I'm like, well, I w- thank goodness I watched the show because now if I come and contact with the black and or a brown bear i know exactly what to do you know exactly what to do in <laughs> fact we all know exactly what to do thanks to luke wilson luke wilson who chimes in and details the entire story of how i remember <laughs> learning as a child that if it's brown lay down if it's black fight, fight back. back and if it's white good night <laughs> <laughs> the poem would have probably ended oh my word Oh, but my goodness, the he, hate flows. He isn't but, lying, though, because polar bears, they are unforgiving. Uh, but I doubt I'm going to come in contact. Right. Let's hope. Right. I that, don't come in contact. That will be your end or my visit to Alaska. <laughs> right. Hey, look, the never-seen white bear in the middle of Alaska. Awesome. <laughs> I see me as Wiley e. Coyote holding up a sign that <laughs> yeah. says goodnight. <laughs> a snack. <laughs> this call was scary and entertaining mm-hmm. and everything I was hoping for in in these types of calls from Alaska because yeah. they're in, in like you said an unforgiving climate up there with with the snow and yeah. the everything yeah. it's it's cold it's barren it's yeah. full of bears mm-hmm. and I was glad that they they focused on this one call because it's something I wanted to hear about when I saw that Alaska was a part of it. There's a couple of viewpoints I always like to share with people when we evoke bears. And it doesn't matter where. It it can be up there where there are 12-foot bears or Mm -hmm. here where there are smaller bears, but still as dangerous as anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And one thing is that you don't have to be some giant gun holder. Oh, no. You don't have to have an assault weapon to, to fend off a bear. In fact, even if you have a weapon... You might not be able to fend off a bear. No, so it might make it worse. Right. Don't think that you having a gun is an instant fix. To, mm-hmm. Oh, I'll kill the bear instantly. You probably won't. No. The bear spray, I think, is incredibly effective and it's way underrated. Mm-hmm. But also know that 
when you deploy the bear spray, you need to be deploying a goodly amount of it. Right. And so that means after you deploy the, the spray, you then have to then get the hell away from wherever you are. <laughs> Run. Because if you have to deploy a second set, then you now have no spray to deploy. Mm-mm. And so now you've got just an angry, pissed off bear that's looking for you again mm-hmm. because he was willing to come back twice. Right. Uh, again, it's that situationally aware thing where what is the what exactly is the plan? Mm-hmm. Well, and here uh, locally, we had a bear. Did you, did you hear about that? Yeah, the meandering yeah. black bear yeah, from he came, hundreds of miles. Yeah, he came down from Minnesota or something yeah. and was meandering down here. They mm-hmm. were following on Facebook and everything and got really upset with us because – well, not my agency, but one of my neighboring agencies, because we ended up having to catch the bear right. and take him where he could be saved. Because where he was at, when he was found, he couldn't find his way around a fence. And he just kept pacing back and forth. And apparently his he was in heat stroke. And he would have died had they not tranked him and taken him to um, a place where he could be taken care of. And from what I understand, he did just fine after being tranquilized and was rehydrated and all that stuff. So that's good. Hate on us all you want, but we saved the bear. Right. And the first bear call I got, yes, I've had two, Mike. (laughs) Back in the early 2000s, at the first agency I worked for, we got calls and I'm like, you see a what? Uh, Man, there's a bear walking down my street. Are you sure it's not a really big dog? Nope. No, it's a bear. Mm-hmm. It's over three foot tall. And I can't even tell you how long. It's a bear. Yeah. And right after that first call came in, I got several more. And he meandered on down the the, the railroad tracks. And we just kept the agencies down the railroad tracks yeah. to let them know you got a bear entering your vicinity. It's yeah. not being aggressive. It's funny, but that it's, you a mentioned, bear. it's funny that you mentioned all that, too. Are you sure it's a bear? Because I, I think everybody can look inside their home and maybe you've got a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And maybe you've even seen a movie with a giant bear that has the whole (laughs) moving lips and stuff. What you've never seen is just this meandering animal. Right. And you have to remember that bears are one of the highest rungs on the food chain. This is correct. That a lot of people forget. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They've been featured in so many television shows and cartoons and stuff where, hey, look, it's the bear. Where's the honeypot that it sits with the red T-shirt? Where's that at? That's not what a bear is. A bear is higher than us on the food chain. Right. And if given the opportunity and the circumstance, it will eat you. I mean, I don't know how to be more plain. Nope. Again, it's that situationally aware thing Mm -hmm. of the places to not be. Right. You getting a selfie with a bear is not anywhere that you need to be putting inside of your daily activity. Nope. And I have to say, in both situations where I worked with the bears, none of my people got in the way of the bear. Mm -hmm. They just let us know where it was at so we know what direction it was going. And in the second one where we ended up taking it to save its life, that was all a whole big Facebook thing of following the bear. Nobody was on top of it and they didn't want to interrupt its walking. Mm -hmm. You know, it was heading to wherever it was heading to. But the unfortunate thing, it came upon a fence he couldn't get around. But he saved and everything's good and Mm -hmm. nobody got in its way. Nobody was in harm's way at all. So that was good. I was really proud of people for not jumping the gun, if you will. I need to take a little break. This will give you the opportunity to hear from my sponsors and see how they can help you. Join me back here on the other side of the break, and we will dive into some more calls that were taken by dispatchers. I'm Lisa, and you are being digitally dispatched. The one question each podcaster should be asking themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Podcast here. 
I've podcasted and edited for over a decade, and I know what an hour and a half podcast turns into when you get in front of the editing stack. Let me tell you, it's not an hour and a half. It's closer to probably double that time. Are you ready to hand off the time you're wasting editing your own podcast? Looking for a cost-effective solution that doesn't break the bank but gives you super experienced quality podcasting back to you in a short period of time? Be sure to check out The Editor Core. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Do you like what you're hearing during the Digitally Dispatched podcast? Let's have a conversation about how you can help us grow. Visit my website at digitallydispatched.com and let's find a way to get your organization, business, or effort to benefit from my focused and engaged audience. Let me help you grow your digital footprint and foster educational content on the internet. Open a channel now at digitallydispatched.com. That's digitallydispatched.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Hey, this is Lisa, Digitally Dispatched. I'm back from break and ready to take a closer look at Emergency Call. Season 1, Episode 1. Call number 5. Wasilla, Alaska. Have we already talked about Alaska? I think we have. We were just talking about Alaska (laughs) and a big giant bear. Yeah. This next call we're going to talk about, Frank Good old Frank. Good old Frank. He's 65 years old. He is lost, and poor Frank has a broken leg. Mm-hmm. He can't get up. I've fallen and I can't get up. Poor In Alaska. Poor Frank. In Alaska. Bummer. Where's <laughs> Fort- the bears at, right? I was going to say, fortunately, there's they no bears They can smell around. your fear. <laughs> well, Frank apparently was, there's so much little bits of information in this call mm-hmm. that nothing really made a whole lot of sense other than the fact Frank was 65 years old. He had a broken leg. and He was on an ATV. He had been on an ATV. Mm-hmm. I heard somewhere he said my boat blew up. Oh. Yeah. And mm. I'm not sure what that meant, but yeah. if his boat blew up, then maybe it was something on the ATV that I misunderstood blew up. Mm. And that's how he ended up flying off said ATV and breaking his leg. I don't know. Mm. But he had told the dispatcher several times, I can't walk out of here. I have a broken leg. And Miles is our dispatcher. I thought he did a great job. He stayed very calm Mm -hmm. throughout the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Frank, being 65 years old, and he had said he was by the river, one of the questions Miles asked him is, are you wet? Did you get into the water? Because they're in Alaska. We're talking hypothermia if he was still in the water. And Frank did say he had gotten waist high, mm-hmm. I think, in the water, right. but was no longer in the water. Right. So that's that's a good thing. But still, he's wet. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cold right. up there. Mm-hmm. He did tell Miles that his phone was about to die as well. And one of the things Miles said 
which I thought was really great when it's a search and rescue kind of thing and you only have limited time on your battery. You get out all the very important information. You let them go because you don't want that phone to die in case you need yeah. to call back. Or it's they actually need a piece of the back. story that I don't think we've shared yet is that during this entire call, mm-hmm. Frank is at, I think it was between 3 and 1% Percent. left on his phone. Right. Uh, it's a huge factor. Right. It's a huge factor. Now, Frank sounds like he's a, a regular yokel. Mm-hmm. So Familiar. He, yeah. So he's familiar with not only the area, but probably most of the people that uh-huh. are in the area. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Very good But thing. again, in the middle of nowhere, uh-uh. I, not, not, not a great place to be. No. And it was like, I want to say in the morning hours, wasn't it? Like one o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. that it was all going on. So it's, well, <laughs> then again, in Alaska, it could be daylight for six mm. months of the year, or True. it could be nighttime. Six True. I hadn't of thought year. of that. Yeah. Well, he, it's still, and Frank is out there, and just as Miles gets his location... The phone drops or the call drops. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. And that I happened two enough. or three times here. It did. And that's, Frank that's when back. I, again, the jerking around factor is what gets me mm-hmm. really enraged in programs like this. Right. Because as much as I want to play the game, I don't really want to play the game. <laughs> I don't want you to drag out the show to be 42 minutes because we need to have at least two or three more right. pauses and dramatic breaks and some more entertaining, mm-hmm. reasonably stocky music. Right. I, I don't know that we need any of that. No. Well, and two, I, I wish they would have just given us the whole call all at once. I agree. I agree but with that. But when they broke it up into three different segments, it's like, okay, now we're back to Frank again. Yeah. And hey, guess what? Frank's got a broken leg. Guess what? <laughs> Frank's battery's going to run out. Guess what? It's cold. <sighs> guess what? Frank knows everybody in the town, except nobody knows where Frank is. Right. Again. Again. What happens is that the rescue team's on the way. Mm-hmm. And from call number one to the third call, where he called back in for the last time, it had been a little over an hour time period. It's, I mean, an hour's not that long, but when you're in the cold of Alaska and, and you're 65 wet, with a broken leg, it's a big deal. It's pretty cold, mm-hmm. yeah. Although, you know what? The cold might actually help his leg. I hadn't Correct. even thought of that. If, especially if there's any swelling. bleeding. Well, yeah. the swelling, sure. Mm-hmm. The last, <laughs> when, when Frank calls in the last time, Actually, it was the second time and the last time he called in. He apologized for, it sounded like he was apologizing for wasting their time. Pretty common. You know? I've done that. And I've done that calling 911 in mm-hmm. particular when I probably shouldn't have been calling 911. I've done that. <laughs> well, in, in this case, though, this is a search and rescue. Don't apologize. We're here to help you. Right. And Miles is like, it's okay. We're here to help you out. now." And he redirects him from the apologies, which it was good. It's a, that's a good tactic to use, especially if somebody's starting to get really emotional. Start asking them questions to bring them to their focus a different direction. Mm-hmm. I thought Miles did a great job keeping him focused on the search parties coming. And then, my, uh, not Miles, but Frank says, I hear them. I can hear them coming. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well, that's good. Can you call out to them? And next thing we hear is Frank yelling and screaming. Oh, hey. <laughs> the, I'm over here. Yeah. And then he's like, they're going away from me. They're going away from me. Yeah. Now, we didn't see if another dispatcher who's talking to the search and rescue team was saying that you're going away from him. But they get flipped around and they're calling back to him. And then, of course... Who shows up on scene, but somebody Frank knows. Yeah. And it's the fire chief. Right. Which is good because that automatically is going to make him feel more calm. Yeah. That doesn't happen on the regular, you know. Well, I guess in in towns that are small, you know who's going to come and rescue you. But that was pretty awesome, you know, that he knew him and and Frank got rescued. Yeah. So that's a piece of that. I think the things I take away from that, especially as just a, you know, a 50 year old man, 
it's the situationally aware stuff. If you knew that you're going to be out traveling in what might be an area where you might have a broken leg, right? then perhaps a battery backup for your phone at least at would least. be a great idea. Yeah. Having some sort of emergency tent pitch camp thing, mm-hmm. and bag, something, a go bag. Right. Something. It's great that you brought that up because a lot of people don't think ahead like that. And Correct. Frank, he talked about this newfangled phone of his at the get-go, and he's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a new phone. Oh, yeah. They start talking about, yeah. uh, can you use a your A new compass? fancy phone. Do you know how to find where you are? And thankfully, that, that, that young lady was able to explain to him how to find the, uh, the GPS the, coordinates. Right. Yeah. And that was awesome. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. that's just something to think about. You mm-hmm. know, if you don't know your technology, yeah. learn it. Yeah. You know, because you, you need to know. And I learn something new all the time. And I think I'm pretty... Not super tech savvy, but I, I have a good working knowledge. But I'm telling you, I want to find where my GPS is on my phone because yeah. I had no idea. That's funny that you're talking about technology, too, because that's something that I really did appreciate from the program is the, their explanation at appropriate points during the show to explain how circling in of cell technology helps you. Right. When it can also be looked at as a kind of a big brother thing. Because the instant you turn your cell phone on, you, you instantly have a node that is now tracked in history mm-hmm. that I don't think a lot of people appreciate. If, if you if you don't know, you can actually get a history mm-hmm. of where your phone has been over the course of a month regularly. Correct. You can have that deposited to you via email. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of finding what your phone maker is, et cetera. But right. it, it's, very, it's very telling. It will tell you how many miles you've traveled, mm-hmm. tell you how many cities you've gone to. Mm-hmm. It will feature photographs in line for those cities that you've taken. Wow. It's it's not quite scary, <laughs> but it is without really doing anything but your regular daily travel and snapping a couple of photographs. Mm-hmm. It is your living record so that if you were not living anymore, there could be a very interesting representation of where you were, right. what you were doing, what you were looking at, what you were interacting with, mm-hmm. how long you were at places. You have to remember all those things are included inside of a record inside of your smartphone right now. Which is awesome if you're looking at missing persons, especially mm-hmm. in today's world. I mean, back if they're missing from the 80s, you don't have that living record. Right. But nowadays, it helps get a lot of people found, sometimes good sometimes not so good but i will say on a 911 point of view not all cell phones show where you're at they should they don't and the problem with that is for us as a dispatcher if i'm just say you call me on 911 and we have three towers that go around my city and that's why i get a lot of calls for the agencies around us because we happen to be right in the center of those three That triangulation, if you will. And if you have that cell service that doesn't show your GPS coordinates, all I know is the tower it hit off of. I have no idea where from that tower you are. It just happens to be the tower that you bounced off of instead of the other tower that's on the other side of the road or the one, you know, it bounces to the closest one that's going to going to get to your 911 dispatcher. Not all, most of them do, not all of them do. So when People yell at me on the phone, well, just look at your freaking map and tell me where I'm at. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I can't. The, the, the doodle hooker nut display, heads up display right. inside, of your, inside of your police station is not Hollywood. Right. And it never has been, nor will it be. No. Which is actually a good reminder for everyone to also check out the perspective review of The Call. The Call. Yes. You and I did. That's Holly Berry's wonderful jaunt 
<laughs> into the platitudes of being a 911 dispatcher. We'll put a link inside the show notes for that episode. Yeah, it was, it was fun to do. I really enjoyed doing that. Was that. Great. Although most of it was Hollywood, still kind of fun. It, mm-hmm. For me, the fun part came with doing the perspective the more so than watching it. the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Frank was found and he was taken to safety. And what I really liked at the end of that story is they panned from the back of Miles Tate having ended the call to his coworkers. And they were all standing around him. They were all wanting to know what was going on. And I'm telling you, any time you have a huge call like that, whether it's a pursuit that's going to another city and you've got officers in it and you're calling it, you end up with everybody coming into the dispatch center wanting to make sure that one, that there's not anything that they can do to help. And two, they just want to see the action going mm-hmm. down. And with the call like Frank being a 65-year-old man out in the middle of nowhere with a broken leg, they wanted him to get rescued. And they were all there and they applauded Miles when rescue came on scene. And he, being humble, was like, no, no, it was all of us that did it. And it's true. That's where you get that feeling of family. Mm-hmm. And that's how most dispatch centers feel is that they're family and they're there for each other. They've got each other's backs no matter what part of the call you're working. And I like that. Call number six. New Orleans, Mississippi. The Terrytown flooding. Now this call, we get to meet Kelsey. And she takes a call from a woman who is very angry that there's a flood happening and it is not raining. She was so upset. It was almost as if she was blaming Kelsey and the police department for this flood because she's been sitting in the middle of the flood water and ain't nobody coming to help her. And she's mad. And she's mad at the other drivers that are driving towards her, around her, whatever. And she's taken on water. I believe, what did she say, Mike? I'm going to be floating soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm about to be floating. I'm about to be floating. That, that was the quote. <laughs> and then, you know, the only way that that got more dramatic was that there was apparently a truck that was driving around her. Mm-hmm. And that apparently a- aggravated the situation by yeah. either putting more water in the car or whatever the situation was. Right. She, I, and and mm-hmm. I get her being upset because she wants help and mm-hmm. it's not getting there quick enough. However... At the same time, there's things you can do to help yourself on scene. That was the only little thing that I was, and it could be the policies of the department that the girls worked at. One of the other dispatchers said, are you seeing all these calls for the flooding in Terrytown? Kelsey's like, yeah, I'm on the phone right now with somebody who's going through it. That made me wonder because I don't know if you noticed in most of these dispatch centers, with the exception of the last one with Miles up in Alaska, you're only seeing two people in that room. You know as well as I do, Mike, in New Orleans, you've got a whole comm center that's going on there, but you're only seeing two people. Yeah, and I think a a bunch of that, as well as what I think were probably either actors or actor voice uh, voice actors, Mm -hmm. were used inside of this. I think that's a piece of it, is that uh, many of the people I think were probably real, but many of them I think were also either just paid actors or being showcased in. To portray the situation. Or maybe even they got the real people to sit in chairs. Mm -hmm. And just make it look all cool, blah, right. whatever. Right. I, I think we had some of that going on, too. So, And that's what gave me a little bit of insight when she says, do you see all these calls piling up? Which tells me that there's more people in the comm center taking yeah. the phone calls because you can see them stack up mm-hmm. in your in your system. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah. And they started talking about there's no rain. That it sounded to me like maybe a levee broke or something out there. And that's what was causing the flooding. Mm-hmm. What I started to say was, I don't know if it's a policy that 
I learned if if I'm submerged in water because we do have low lying places here where the creeks and or rivers get too high. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself in a submerged vehicle, what do you do? Well, if your window's open, climb out the window and get on top if you can. You know, without I'm not going to stay in a vehicle that's taking on water. Right. And that's what I didn't understand about the two we heard from the woman who was angry. And then one of the other dispatchers talked about a man and she was telling him, you know, are you able to get out of the vehicle? Initially he says, no. She says, Oh, is that because it'll let the water in? He never really answered that, but I'm guessing that that's probably the situation. Right. There's a couple of things here that I wanted to make sure we definitely glance on. It doesn't really have anything to do with the showcase of the show, but this is that situationally aware stuff that I love to harp on people on. And it's not because I'm smarter than everybody. But every single community, especially in the United States right now, there are at least four or five different systems mm-hmm. to which you can subscribe for free and get things like flash flood warnings right. that are detailed inside of the cell phone that all of these people are using to call. I don't even have a choice. It pops up on my phone. Right. It's like the Amber Alert stuff yep. that comes up and says you are in an impacted zone that is going to be experiencing flash flooding. Correct. Now, and I get those regularly. I live on a slope mm-hmm. where the water isn't ever going to be where it, it stacks up and I'm going to drown. Mm-hmm. And it's never going to be, it might rush by me in my backyard, <laughs> but I, but I still get the messages. So sure. I know. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is like, I'm not familiar with Terrytown, but to me, it sounds like there's probably a history of flooding. Mm-hmm. If there's a levee, there's definitively historic levels right. of flooding that goes on in that town. Mm-hmm. And so when people start seeing higher water or what sounds like up to the up to the glass level water levels. Why are they in it? Well, not only that, <laughs> I, I, what I also get is water rises quickly. And I, I it think, can, yes. um, you know, when you see something like storm surge video from Katrina or something horrific, I mean, mm-hmm. it's. That, that that that's monumentally different. Yeah. But it is horrific. It's yeah. like some of the stuff that you see inside the disaster movies where, hey, look, there's no water. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, there's two and a half feet of water. <laughs> right. And it does happen that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, what people also think is that because you're sitting inside of a car, you're invincible. Right. No. You are not invincible inside nope. of your car by any stretch. It's why there are airbag systems inside of your car. Correct. To help you not die when you're shooking around like an egg inside of it. Mm-hmm. But for flooding, you have reasonably no protection at all None built inside of your car that is made to help you should something start flooding your car. Right. As soon as the water hits a certain spot. You're going to float away just like everything else that takes takes on water. Yep. Uh, Here, I know in one of the other cities that I dispatch for, I dispatch for two different ones. I I dispatch for a smaller city that does have Mm low-lying area Mm -hmm. and people are... We pass it regularly. They think they can drive whenever it's flooded because it can't be that deep. It's just over the roadway. Well, as far down as that roadway goes, they get stuck every time. That's my situational awareness. I've I've listened to people go, oh, I I floated off the roadway because I drove into the water. Uh Well, I won't drive into water unless I know for certain it's just a puddle and not water rushing over a roadway. Mm -hmm. Nope, not going to do it. And I don't understand why. People don't use their common sense to not drive into the water. I, I think it's because of our our ignorance of how strong and powerful water is. Maybe, yeah. And, and I think what, what people need to do is, uh, the first year I moved here to Missouri was 1993, mm-hmm. which was, quote, the 100-year oh. flood year. Yeah. 
And I, between that and the heat, I'm, I'm from northern Wisconsin. I really <laughs> thought we'd made a mistake coming here because for those that haven't ever been to mid-Missouri, the heat here is, especially for those that aren't used to it, the heat here and the humidity is unbearable. Sweltering. It's it, horrible. It's, you come here and you will breathe harder than you've breathed anywhere else, mm -hmm. including Florida. Yeah. I think Florida was an easier breathe because it, it, it ends. Mm -hmm. I, I really thought we made a mistake when we moved here because we got flooded out of our first apartment. Mm-hmm. Then, oh, no. yeah, and, and just a whole bunch of other stuff. But then also the incapacitating heat. Mm -hmm. Oh, in a car with no air conditioning, by the way. Oh, Lord. Because you didn't need it in northern Wisconsin. No. I had the same situation. Oh. I was in California, got me a Jeep. Yeah. Didn't need air until I came back home. That sucks. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the gist yeah, is yeah. that the videos from that year are something, we'll, we'll include some links inside the show notes for that as well. The water that you see take not just chunks of land, mm -hmm. but entire homes. Yes. Just Absolutely. look at the house that's there, and now within seconds, look at the house that is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not there. Nope. It turns it into nothing but rubble. Right. And you don't see any of it. There's mm -hmm. All you see is water. And you see things floating on top of water that came from houses from miles away. Right. Yeah, it's and horrible. It's, it's, I think that's what it is. It's we have mm -hmm. a complete ignorance and, you know, everything's just a water park. Everything mm -hmm. is not a water park. No. And water not. is never something to, to play around with. And mm -hmm. I, I'm really, I'm glad that they showcased what they did. I think what was missing, obviously, because they did just didn't go get the footage or right. whatever. But that's what's missing is mm -hmm. we didn't actually see any of that. Mm -hmm. That was what was going on. Well, and that's kind of the the sweet spot, if you will, when it comes to dispatching. Dispatchers don't see right. anything either. Right. And I think that's part of the reason they didn't give you, I mean, they kind of gave you overviews of the land, if you will. And that's it. But that's it. I yeah. mean, there, and as, there is no stock footage of flooding inside of X no, area. There's nothing no. like that. And as and a I appreciated that too. Yeah. I, and I appreciated the fact that as a dispatcher, like I, was, I said earlier, you take the call, you handle the call, the officers go, that call is done, you're on to the next call. Mm -hmm. And you don't always know where that pretty little bow is. We we as dispatchers don't always know that the, the car was found with the child inside mm -hmm. and everything was fine. Mm -hmm. It's Officers are out looking for the car, and then they'll, they'll call back to you whether or not they find it. But we don't always get the end of the story, so to speak. We can't see what happened out there. We don't have that visual that the mm -hmm. officers and the other first responders have. Right. And I thought that this show showed that the, the fact that we're not going to show you the rest of the call because that's not what the dispatcher sees. The dispatcher handles the call itself. Yeah, I appreciate that I like too. That. That's a piece of the show format. I really, I adore that inside this. Right. Call number seven, New Orleans. This time we're talking to Amanda. Amanda receives a call from a woman who states that her nine-year-old daughter is with her grandfather, which is the caller's father. And she doesn't believe her grandpa's breathing. My first thought was, oh my God. She says, you know, they answered the phone with, where is your emergency or location of your emergency? And she's like, I can't tell you the address. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then she goes into the story of, my nine-year-old's with my father, who she doesn't think is breathing. And my first thoughts are, how are we going to get help to this little girl mm -hmm. if we don't know where they're at? Now, what we didn't see from the show was 
that obviously they found a location because they were able to get to the grandfather. But before we get to that point is behind the scenes in dispatch centers, we have ways of trying to locate. We can, um, through our department of revenue, you know, if, if like say you were having a heart attack or whatever, and your daughter calls in and says, you know, I, I can't think of my address. I can't think of it. I don't know. And I can ask, well, what's daddy's name? And she can give me your full name and she'll know what city she's in. And I can find your address through the D- Department of Revenue, which is great. That's one of our tools. And we have other tools that we can do, too. So I'm hoping that that's probably what happened in this mm-hmm. case. But they didn't show us any of that behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff. Um, I think a lot of the mechanization of things like that is not shown intentionally because they want to keep you in the moment rather than jumping you out to show you the, the work. The, <laughs> well, the behind-the-scenes, the behind-baseball behind thing. I, right. I, I think it would have – it definitely would have killed the emotion, especially inside this call. Well, Sure. The mother's explaining the situation to uh, Amanda, and she says, okay, well, what I'm going to do, you get en route to your father's house or whatever. I'm going to call your daughter. Madison was her name, and I'm going to talk to Madison about what's going on. And she does, and I thought that was great. I like that they did a takeaway between calling Madison and talking to mom where they, she said, I know that I'm going to be talking to a nine-year-old child. I have to change up how I talk to people because mm-hmm. kids are a completely different ball of wax. And they're right. And and you got to you got to be firm but not hard. Oh, and not scare them. Cuz instantly at least used to be yeah. anything that is associated with the police department and police station instantly mm-hmm. has this or instantly had this aura of mm-hmm. either fear or I'm in trouble. Intimidation or I'm in trouble. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I was really glad that they, they did that. And she's like, you have to be compassionate mm-hmm. and caring, but at the same time, you can't be too compassionate and caring because that's going to make them more upset. They're going to, they're going to break down. Mm-hmm. So there's a fine line that you have to walk when it comes to kids. Now, this was the perfect kid to talk to because she was on the ball. Mm-hmm. She listened. She said, yes, ma'am. She was very polite. Amanda was able to ask the questions, well, where is grandpa? Can you tell me what you see? You know, can, well, his belly's moving. So that tells me he's probably breathing, but we don't know what kind of breathing is going on. And so she asks her to count how many times he takes a breath in. Tell me every time he takes a breath in. And we call that counting respers. And it makes perfect sense to have an adult do that. But the child is like, well, what do you mean? Do I count now or do I, and I don't, think Madison quite got it because she had a hard time or I, I don't think she did and I think additionally he wasn't breathing appropriately at all right and uh, I think that's um, where she was like I don't know when to say yeah you know so yeah, yeah. fortunately the dispatcher caught on to that and says okay well we're gonna try and do CPR do you want to try and do that with me and the kids of course gonna say yes because that's what she thinks she's supposed to say being on the ball I think is now some kids would say uh-uh, I don't know what, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. But this little girl, I think, just sounded like she was on the ball enough to at least ask and see if she would yeah. try to. And there was some coaxing-style speak from the operator that helped her understand that you're going to help your grandpa. Right. And, you're and gonna, I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. I thought that was great. And you're not only going to help him now, but you're going to help him until the the other help gets there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're, you're this bridge that's mm-hmm. going to gap it. And yeah. I, th- I think she, she caught on to that and she explained to her where to put her hands and everything and how to do it. I don't know at nine years old, I would have known what the heel of my hand was, mm-hmm. but 
uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm also going to call in a question that I don't know that depending on where grandpa was, mm-hmm. whether she could compress anything at age nine. Right. Cause I mean, there are big nine year olds. I totally agree with that. But right. I, I mean, I, the, look at it this way. Trying is better than nothing. Exactly. And that, that so. was I would, right along with that. I was going to say, I don't know that she would have understood how to press down two inches because two well, inches. She just would have pushed with all of her might. Right. She doesn't and that's have what, a gauge. And that's one of the things that the dispatcher said, Amanda said, was push as hard as you can. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to count with you. And if you notice, she counted the first several four beats, you know, one, two, three, four several times before Madison jumped in with her and she kept saying, count with me, Madison. And that was good though. Cause she kept her, kept her going. And between the two of them, I think they were able to get some compressions done. And then Madison said, he's spitting out water. My heart went, uh Oh, and I'm sure Amanda's did too, but she didn't say it. And then she said, he's breathing funny. And Amanda explained to her that that's called agonal breathing. Have you ever heard of that, Mike? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had never, believe it or not, in dispatching 20 years, I had never actually heard those words. Yeah. Have you taken a CPR recently. class then? I have, but apparently I wasn't paying attention okay. <laughs> to know what agonal breathing yeah. was. But I had always heard it called the death rattle. Mm. I never heard it called agonal breathing. Mm. and Or I don't recall it, I should say. So I'm like, uh-oh, he's got the death rattle. And so... That kind of scared me for them because I knew what agonal breathing was. Madison didn't know what that meant. And she's just explaining this is called agonal breathing. And it tells us he's breathing, just not in the right way. So we need to keep doing those compressions until help can get there. And they did, which was great. And, and I'm really glad whether they compressed the call or not from this point on, because I'm, I'm about spent emotionally listening to the call. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, this essentially explains my dad's death. Oh, yeah. I.e., my my bonus mom comes home and finds him on the floor. And I'm under the impression that he was not responding in general. Right. Because when she called, they were working on him, is mm. when she called and told me. So I'm going to assume he had, he had died. Oh. But uh, th- 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 that's amping up what I'm listening to inside of this call because she was there. She was obviously there and saw right. and experienced the whole thing. And she has a chance to to help write something that isn't quite yet done. Right. Yeah. We don't really know what happens to grandpa other than the fact he ends up at the hospital. Right. I can, and with my world of rainbows and unicorns, think he's doing fine and everybody's great. And Madison saved his life. But But we don't don't know. know. (laughs) Right. We don't know that for sure. Right. So I would toss that as a ding inside of this program because I'm not looking for the warm fuzzy or the the script that goes at the end of the episode yeah. or something but I am looking for something right uh, having having Madison help save grandpa's life is a great story yes having Madison try to help and save grandpa is I think an even more compelling story mm-hmm. that helps us understand that we really need to educate our youth yes I when agree. it comes to even even awareness of being able to call and recognize problems. Right. And that that's where I think there is a mischance. Sure. I agree. Last call. New Orleans. We're going to be talking with Kia. And what a interesting call to be our last call. She's easily the most compelling operator that we have during this episode, I think. Yeah, I liked her. But this call is the naked man lying in the street. 
I had to laugh with Kia and her partner because as soon as she said, he's naked, (laughs) the co-dispatcher looks over like, what? And we do that all the time. We're always listening to what's going on because we have to do what they call split ear hearing. And we know everything that's going on. We have to hear our officers on the radio as well as our callers, as well as our partners and and scanner traffic. So (laughs) I had to laugh when she said she had a naked man lying in the street. And the caller says, he's got no shirt on and his boxers are at his ankles. To which the dispatcher Kia repeats back to make sure that she heard him, heard her correctly. And she's like, yeah, the caller was very much focused on the man's nudity. Well, and in particular, the dong. (laughs) It's funny because previously inside inside this episode of our review of Emergency Call, you had a segment that was called Ding Dong Danger. I thought you were referring to this call at first. Yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone's clear, we are referring to uh, the dong. We are. <laughs> and she had, the dispatcher had asked, said he was lying in the street. And she said, oh, no, he's up and it's, he's swinging it around now, which also made me laugh. And she was asking for more of a description. And the caller says, he's bald in front. Okay, now stop right there. My first thought when I heard the word bald was on top of his head that maybe he had what they call a scullet where he's bald on the top and he's got hair around the edges. George Jefferson. Right. Perfect. Yes. Perfect example. Right. A scullet. No. Really? Yeah, it's a scullet. Scullet. Got it. Uh, but that's not what she was talking about. Okay. She was talking about his junk. Nether region. <laughs> his, his nether region, his undercarriage, if you will. Sure. Completely bald. Sure. Completely shaved. And I did not realize it's, she was very focused Let's just say that the caller was very focused and I had to laugh for this entire call. Yeah. And I really don't know that there's much of a takeaway other than the fact it was comic relief because there's a naked man in the middle of the street and that he's just swinging his junk around. And the caller had to see that. And at one point she said, I can't look anymore. I can't look anymore. <laughs> right. I have, to, I have to avert my gaze. <laughs> I just can't look at it anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was great. Yeah. No, that was great. If we want to get to the... Meat of the matter. The, <laughs> Good job, Mike. But if we want to talk about it seriously, why was he naked in the middle of the street? Could be as simple as the fact that he was drunk. And that's just how drunk guys end up sometimes. Or it could have been a man with mental illness. And that is a whole new situation that that we are becoming more and more aware of Mm -hmm. with the homelessness in our country. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the homeless people do have mental issues and they don't get enough help or they don't get the right kind of help. And a lot of them don't want the help because it puts them in facilities and institutions that they don't want to be in. I agree. That's a whole big stigma attached mm-hmm. to that too. So mm-hmm. I don't want to make light of the fact that this man could have been mentally ill and that's the situation. No, and I've, I think everyone that's listening understands that you're not making fun at all of the no. mental state. We're making fun of the dong. Right. And the reference and to the collar and how she dong. presented it. Correct. We do get calls like that on on the regular believe it or not we've had i've had calls on 911 with a neck and why are there always naked men i don't really know but more often than not the men are the ones that are naked and they're jogging 
down the street. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if they're running from or to something. It, they're just airing it out. Just That must be what it was. Just airing it out. Now, we do have a female in my city that sometimes likes to go out completely sans clothes, mm. if you will. All right. That's just how she likes to be. Mm. Is she bald in the front? Don't know. Really of don't want to know. Of course I'm talking about a skullet. <laughs> but she does have mental issues, too. So it's not always. She only goes out naked once in a while. In the framework of the show, I think they inserted this call as well as the peacock to give us a little bit of levity when it comes to the the types of calls that we take because they can be incredibly serious with a a child trying to give CPR to her grandfather to a child being taken in a stolen car. And then you have these moments where it's like, oh, my goodness, what do you mean he's naked? <laughs> or yeah. what? A peacock? I'll agree that both of these were inserted as bookends. Of course, yeah. the first one with a peacock and the second <laughs> one with a dong. <laughs> or peacock. <laughs> There's a ton of great calls in this episode mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. the spectrum. Oh, yeah. And now we've gone through all of them. It's time for Mike and I to do our Digitally Dispatched Diamonds. Mm. The Digitally Dispatched Diamonds are where Mike and I find something inside the episode that moves us, that deserves a spotlight. Mike, what have you found as your diamond inside this episode? Lisa, there were many things that I know I already showcased I didn't like inside this episode. But what I thought was the most important part of this episode was the sense of personal awareness all the way around. I would agree. I, I, It's something I know I live with way more than most people in my daily life, but you will never not benefit from increasing the amount of self-awareness you have, mm-hmm. both of your surroundings, but then also what might happen around you. I think nowadays, especially as we get towards the end of the year, recognizing what kind of workplace you have, you know, are, are there tensions in your workplace? Right. Do you often hear, you know, shout matches? Are there people that just have ill will? Well, what does that mean for you inside of your workplace? Does it mean you need to start paying more attention to if there is an active shooter, for example? What is it you're going to be doing? And if those words have never come off your brain to yourself, I've got to tell you how important they are nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's another one of those pieces of life that we now just have to incorporate into our lives. And I don't want it to scare everybody, but it's something you really do have to think about. What, What are you going to do if something goes sideways at work? That's just a piece of many of the things that we're talking about inside this array of calls inside this episode. Mm -hmm. But it is the most important one. Lisa, what do you got for diamond inside this episode? Well, my diamond inside this episode would have been the stalking bear. Mm. The reason it's my diamond is because the young lady who was hiking with a friend of hers, the bear was stalking them and and she didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it just was like you were talking about you need to be aware of everything that's around you. Mm-hmm. Situational awareness is, mm-hmm. is key. Yeah. Fortunately, she, she was aware that there was a bear and she knew to call 911. The problem was the bear was blocking her from getting to safety, which right. would have been her vehicle. Right. And so she did what she needed to do, which is great. But the reason it stood out to me is because I live in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And while we do have bears down here, we don't run into them. Right. We Frequently. Don't have, we don't have the active snacking, snack hunting yogi right. bears here. Right. right. We don't have mm-hmm. to worry about it right. if we play dead or if we run away. Mm-hmm. So that one that one just jumped out at me and, and made me go, wow, that's a really cool call. That was my diamond. Mm. And that's where we ask you, what was your digitally dispatched diamond for this episode? 
Let us know by going over to my website, digitallydispatch.com, fill in the quick web form, and tell me what your diamond was for this episode. It's time for Lisa and I to rate this episode of Emergency Call, a new show on ABC and Hulu streaming. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Being able to deploy bear spray appropriately and live to visit with your man bun friend another day. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Bald in the front. Dong. Everything starts at 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Lisa, there are no halvesies. Lisa, what do you got? Well, on this one, I'm going to go with a 7. That's seven. about average, right? Average. Correct. Everything okay. starts at 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Lisa, by the way, there are no halvesies. I like halvesies. All right, so 7. That's not too bad. <laughs> I'm going to dip down a little bit for this one. I was looking for something more, and then when you throw on the kryptonite <laughs> of our friend Luke Wilson, oh, yeah. it really does kind of nosedive for me. So I've got to give this episode a six and hope for more. Yep. I'm hoping for more, too. That's where Lisa and I ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? The very first episode of Emergency Call on ABC and Hulu streaming. Let us know by going over to Lisa's website. That's digitallydispatch.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you rated this episode. Oh, my Hulu notification tells me that there's another episode of Emergency Call to watch. Oh, Mike and I are off to watch the next episode and we'll have that review over at digitallydispatch.com soon. Until next time, I'm Lisa Moore, your host, and you have been Digitally Dispatched. The calls, stories, and legacies I share are dispatched digitally. The lessons learned by all, the callers, you, especially me, are a piece of my life's unfolding story that I'm proud to share and are preserved digitally. Your thoughts, ideas, and comments can be sent to me electronically at my website, digitallydispatched.com. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa, and you have been digitally dispatched. <laughs>